0: Hello, everybody and welcome in to the 138th episode of the penny bloom podcast his eye colton robertson and i today am welcoming back for the first time in weeks kyler barnett what's up homie
1: oh not much man i'm i've been very busy lately a whole lot of work school and baseball going on so just trying to balance and juggle all that unfortunately i've had to uh let the uh Let the squad fall on the back burner a little bit, but it's definitely good to be back. Glad, you know, opening in and and seeing that look when I came in, I finally was in. Colton jumped right up. He's ready to go.
0: Now, hey, here
1: we are back in action. Feels just like old times. Yeah,
0: it feels just just like old times. Old times being about four or five weeks ago. But uh, uh, I'm excited. I I wanted uh, your first episode back, whenever that may have been, to be about The Many Saints of Newark. Uh, Came out a couple weeks ago. Me and you both finished The Sopranos in anticipation of The Many Uh, Saints. Uh, uh, So I'm very excited to talk with you today about that. And we'll get to that after the theme song you hear in a bit. But uh, any other entertainment you've been taking in recently? What's up? Man, it's been
1: tough because I haven't been out. Uh, I wanted to go see Shane Chi with my girlfriend and we haven't really got a chance. She's out in Topeka, so I haven't really gotten a chance. So I still need to catch up with Shane Chi. Damn. Um, I'm one. I'm lagging a little behind, but I need to catch up. Uh, I did go see Venom Let There Be Carnage with some friends a few weeks ago. Good, ship. Um, good ship. Yeah, I mean I, I like Venom, let there be carnage. I mean, hey, people are gonna have their naysays and that's fine. it may not be, you know, it's not the apex of film. There's no bones about it, but no, shit. But it's, it's a fun it's, movie to
0: watch. Man. It's Venom, yeah. yeah. It's Venom, fuck it, man. I don't it's think fun. that that's should all... be the
1: standard. I think we need to stop framing it that
0: way. But, hey. I agree with you. And I, um, I think that overall in terms of comic book media, that needs to sort of be the attitude. Yeah. Uh you uh, know, like, standard. With with the Batman trailer dropping last week and stuff, I've seen a lot of discourse about how it's exciting for a superhero film to finally look like an actual movie. See, Uh, I think
1: the issue is, is like, the further back in time we go, like the less, like, I think there's just a gap because like, when we do the MCU stuff, that shit's so futuristic and so out there that people are really easy and quick to dismiss that like, oh, well, based in reality, obviously not. And so, like, it's just like one of those things where it's like, well, these are supposed to be like superheroes. The whole concept itself is a little ridiculous. Like, we gotta—that's yeah, the it, whole it, point. You're supposed to feel like you're not watching. You know, like this is supposed to be something. Out exactly, there. it's and, supposed and to be. Here's the thing,
0: and here's the thing is that when it comes to the MCU, in comparison to like the Batman with Robert Pattinson or Joker with Walking Phoenix, and gritty, gritty comic book films like that they aren't at all trying to be that like that's just not at all what the goal is like Mm -mm. so like whenever i think i guess more than anything what gets people riled up to say the mcu movies aren't as good as they think they are is also on marvel fans it's like hey you also got to recognize these movies aren't god they're they're fun i think that's the
1: problem is marvel fans want to confuse like oh, I love this, like, category of movies and I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Therefore, they are the apex of film. No, 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 hold on. Those two are not the same. That just means that's your favorite. That's your favorite, and that's fine. Because guess what? You know what's great about having a favorite? It's subjective and there's no one anyone can say to discount it because it's you. Exactly. If they want to judge you for it, I mean, hey, that's their prerogative, but I think that there needs to be less of that. But if that, you know... If that's your favorite, that's your favorite. No one can discount that. Exactly.
0: And, I'm with you. That's ten, why that's why whenever folks get mad and want to say that like Infinity War is like the be- like critically the best film of the 2010s. Yeah, it's not. I'm like it's not. But I think it's good. you can talk about
1: it on a like you can talk about its importance and relevance because of how huge it was. That, that has magnitude. But just because it had that doesn't make it the, like the best film in all of all time or a critically incredible, perfect, seamless film that, you it. know. So I just think that's the uh, – there's a logjam definitely. I think, you know, Marvel fans definitely rush to bat and uh, I think they tend to misconstrue the real point they want to make, which is like this is something that I resonate and fucking love more than like a lot of other things, and that's
0: fine but that just doesn't make it the best like, of no, any, really, yeah, there's a reason Martin Scorsese the of
1: film. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a reason Martin Scorsese recognizes it as it is. I do think it is funny. It is funny now that like uh Dennis Villanueva and stuff like this, you got a new movie coming out. Hey, you should trash Marvel a little bit. Because it's going to create buzz. hype in movie. Yep, yep. It, like, people are going to well, talk about and your movie. This goes back
1: to the age old of, that. you know, there's no such thing as bad press. You hop on the coattails of a name like Marvel and you say something a little, uh, that'll rile up a big fan base. I mean, Marvel's a huge fan base, no secret. So, you yeah, say you something say like that, like, you're going yeah, to generate no some laws. buzz. Yeah, you're going to no be- There's no
0: loss here for Dennis Villanueva yeah. saying shit, like, because he's got Dune coming out. Yeah. Therefore- Everyone who's like, you know what? He's right. This will be better than any Marvel movie. We'll go see it. And the people who are going to be like, no, there's no way. We'll probably still go see it and then say it's bad. But but guess what?
1: Money's already in the bank. Money's in his pocket. Money's in money's in his pocket. It it already happened.
0: You played. It already happened. It already happened. I and uh, speaking of uh, you know, movies making money and such. Uh, the many saints in Newark. I, uh, I really want to go and sit down in a theater and watch this. I have not gotten a chance to yeah. do so. Uh, however, David Chase has voiced how much he really, really was disappointed with the fact that this also went to HBO Max. So it makes me feel guilty having watched it on yeah. HBO Max twice. Uh, but, uh, I, I really, I really want to support the creator and go right. catch it. And, well, and, and, and I thing. think
1: with, I think with Chase is like, I think this was probably one of his first big chances, like, to put this set of characters in this, you know, I mean, The Sopranos was his, you know, that's his masterpiece, essentially. So, like, I think when he finally got a chance to make the movie, he's like, hey, I get to put this in a movie theater. This film was made in that light, you know, made Mm -hmm. for film, made for cinema. So yeah, I see what you're saying. I hadn't thought about it like that. Now I do have a little bit of guilt. I probably need to do no, no. it. No, no, we'll see see and uh, and uh experience is a little different.
0: Whenever that happens, I uh I would like I, I, I just need to make it happen. However, let's roll into the theme song and then we'll get going with the many saints conversation. You ready? To the penny bloom podcast ain't another place that has got more bombast rump past your mom that's listening to tomcast talking everything to make you sad we don't want that we're here to make you smile put your mind at ease peace love and bloom and I always praise keanu reeves this what we about get some weeding now we'll talk until we can't no more and then we're out. all right let's go penny bloom podcast it's the penny bloom podcast penny bloom podcast we've got the many saints of newark i i finished the sopranos it took me a year it it took me over a year to watch the sopranos i i started it i think august 2020 september 2020 finished it september 2021 i took some fat breaks not not because the show was bad it's a lot
1: I think with that show is that's, like you said, it's a lot. And I think it's a show that taking breaks can make sense. Like, I think, especially when you think about, you know, the time that passes between seasons is never congruent. It's never the same. You know, you're not following a traditional time of like, oh, each season takes over the course of, you know, one year of, you know, time in the life of these characters. And and then when we come back, it's, oh, it's, it's, you know, a season later, it's summer now, instead of being, you know, we left off in the spring or whatever. It isn't like that where it's totally seamless, you know. It it takes some leaps from season to season occasionally, and it's never the same. So I feel like it's a show that when you take breaks, it's not, you know, that detrimental. And I think, you know, in the course of a season, each episode— I watched a video the other day, and it hit it really good on the head about how the show is kind of structured in a sense— it is where it's it's not each season is like following, you know, each episode builds off of the last one to move towards this one big thing happening at the end of a season. It's like it isn't going to be a straight line. The way David Chase and the way Sopranos kind of rolled within through seasons is it's like, oh, we're going to have this one event and then a couple episodes later it may not be all that relevant, but all of a sudden at the end of the year you see what that first episode had. That led to what, you know, what a climax of a season looks like in Sopranos. Everybody knows, you know, kind of that feeling and that vibe of a finale is it's like there's a lot of anxiety in that finale. Every season I felt like is because it's like it's so unpredictable because it isn't like like I just said, it's not that straight line where like, oh, hey, now I for sure know what's coming. Like to a degree, we've been building to it because it's like it wasn't a straight line there.
0: We had some things
1: that kind of like. Now they throw you off. The yeah. Well,
0: he, and this movie's a good example. I want to start spoiler-free for a while, uh to a Fair degree, enough. just to let let people yeah, yeah, let yeah, people yeah. get that acclimated. Get
1: some, get some people listening that maybe haven't seen it yet.
0: Yeah, but just like uh, just like the show, there's there's a very there's there's very big parts of this movie where they just go, "You were led to believe one thing, psych, not at all." Uh. And I like that. I love that from the Sopranos, and th- that's why this this movie also felt it, it felt so akin to the series. Like, like yeah, it, it really no, it was definitely felt medicine. like a love
1: letter to the series. I mean, like David Chase definitely wasn't like coy about making this movie in a sense of like he was going to be true to the roots. You know, he was going to make sure that this show still felt Sopranosy. You know what I mean? It felt like what the show felt like, but it's and just we, in a and movie. We even
0: yeah, and we even saw some familiar faces. Oh yeah, we got uh that. That was one of my favorite parts well, of the movie. I
1: like not only just the faces, but there's just some references in there where, like, if you watch the show, you know that's a definite like nod to you. Like, hey, kudos! He doesn't David have like kudos, He doesn't man. have the
0: makings of a varsity athlete.
1: <laughs> that and then uh, they mentioned the bookie Tony's first kill. They mentioned the bookie, and I believe I, I feel like that was the name because uh, shoot, what's that? but um i'm almost positive that's what it was from yeah yeah willie both- overall the bookie that was tony's first body the one in the show where we see uh at towards the end of the show we see tony have to go dig him up cuz the feds raided the house where the body had been buried so it was just kind of cool nods like right.
0: that man shit like that. that's just uh, yeah. i didn't even catch that one i didn't catch that one but like there's also the uh uh the from paulie to tony at one point he mentions the rash Uh-huh. which they that that was just an ongoing joke that still hasn't been explained wasn't explained in this wasn't explained in this movie <laughs> either there is just an ongoing gag that they kept according to uh according to uh talking sopranos the podcast with uh michael imperioli and steven schrippa where they talk about it episode by episode oh man uh, that is that's Chrissy Multisanti and Bobby Bacala. I did so, not know
1: that was a thing. I'm gonna have to listen to that. Holy cow! Oh, they tell
0: they they told a story about how that wasn't that was like an improvised thing thing, and then they just ran with yeah. it. Okay, yeah. Tony, see, Tony, and Tony, I love Cerrico that. And I love that Tony because Cerrico and James Gandolfini was like, "Hey, how's your rash? and like that that just became a thing.
1: I love that because, like in Marvel, you know, we see these little nods and things that get improvised, and then they become you know fan like cult classics essentially where like fans love to make that reference you know like me I remember when I sent the video of that uh Iron Man 2 the the alternate opening with the uh yes with when Tony's on the ship and all that like that's this little thing that like I can reference and like you'll understand and stuff but like it's just a little nod and like it's cool that they have that in the Sopranos too and we can you know get those little 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 things like that
0: and i i mean I, like I, along with the familiar faces you know we saw we saw pauly walnuts oh, yeah. younger versions we saw pauly walnuts which is walnuts. awesome i Sylvia think it's Dante. awesome oh yeah, i think I mean, it's awesome getting i think a it's prequel
1: great. like that it's cool to see with these characters cuz like we don't and that's one thing sopranos didn't do much was flashback we don't see a lot of times where they go back i mean i can think of i think maybe a handful of times where we ever really saw anything like that so you know getting to see these people that we saw in there you know later years still living this mob life we're seeing them as younger people trying to make their way in this stuff and that's kind of cool yeah Definitely. oh
0: i love it and I, i mean even one of the even one of the flashbacks was actually they recreated one of the flashbacks. Yeah, I noticed that, too. I
1: noticed that, too. And they, I will say, they hit it like that. Look, oh, they nailed it. I, yeah. I
0: like I was watching it and was like, I have literally seen this.
1: Before. Honestly. On, yeah, no, that's an especially considering like you're someone who kind of took breaks and like watched it in that long of a span, like the fact that they can hit it that hard on the head that you still connected it. You're like, oh, I remember this. Yeah. And so, like, I think that's just one of those cool things.
0: That was another thing that I wanted to give a huge credit to the show. I had never ever taken that long to watch a show and finish the show if I if I abandon a show after a season and I don't get back to that show for a couple weeks I will not be making it back to that show the Sopranos was different I had to finish that show yeah
1: I think the only show like I didn't I didn't binge the show and watch it the way I I typically will like you know when I watched Breaking Bad the first time I remember that was a show where I was like that was the first serious show I'd kind of ever really gotten into and mm-hmm. like when I watched it it was just like I wanted to continue because I was like I can't not I want to know what's happens next but like with Sopranos it's like David Chase is trying to get you to think you almost feel like if you don't take a second like if you if you just roll right into the next one you almost feel like at least me anyway, I'm like, I feel like I probably am going to miss something or I didn't like catch something. And that's why it was great was I found the YouTube channel I texted or I texted you about that does a recap. He did Sopranos Timber is what he called it. Uh, Pure Kino, anybody interested in watching that, show him some love. He put out some good videos in the month of September. He's got every episode of Sopranos, recap, talked about, discussed. So that was just nice for a refresher before. Cause I I finished Sopranos, I think, about a month or two before so it was nice to get a recap on some of the early seasons especially oh um, yeah yeah uh, but I just like it's one of those shows where it was just I love the fact that I was able to like you said like I didn't watch it in the traditional sense and just like binge the shit out of it like I didn't take as long a breaks as you did but it was like there were times where like I just wouldn't watch it for a few days, and I'd be like, "Oh, I, I didn't consciously think about it." But you know what? Now I want to go watch, and like, I'm yeah, locked exactly. into it. And I think I'm that's part it. of it. David Chase wants his viewers to think so much watching these shows that, like, you almost owe it to him when you sit down to watch that you're kind of giving it at least three quarters seventy five percent attention. You know, at least minimum. It's not a show you can mindlessly just sit and play in the background.
0: Not at all. And I, and this, this movie itself was again akin to the show because that, the reason that show was, it took so long to watch is because so much happens every single episode. Mm -hmm. Like you get an hour and storylines, maybe storylines aren't progressed. Most of the time they were, but you were getting to know a character if, Well, if there wasn't a story, and I
1: think like I think about it in this sense now, too, like we've talked about so many shows on this podcast, we have talked about Mandalorian, WandaVision, and you know, it's not necessarily with WandaVision and the Marvel limited shows, because those shows were so much shorter, there's no room for it. But you know, in some of these shows like Mandalorian, where you got a little bit longer season, you got to have, you know, a handful of filler episodes. There isn't an episode in Sopranos you can look at that's a filler. You know, you don't sit there and watch one and think, "Ah, I didn't really get anything from that. And here's the thing. I think if there is an episode where you kind of feel like I didn't really get much there, just wait, because I guarantee you within the rest of that season, you're going to understand that that episode may not have seemed very big or had many minute ramifications. But all of a sudden, by the end of the season, you see why that episode fits into this picture of the season. I think that's why it's more important with Sopranos than any other show is to not think so episode to episode, but think more like season as a whole story, because like I said earlier, it isn't a straight line. It's not seamless. They back and you know, there's a lot of zigzagging and a lot of times, you know, from episode to episode, there's different characters perspectives and that changes the way that you know a story or an event that you had perceived as happening all of a sudden you find out that it didn't quite happen that way and that it led to yeah. this this and this and you know, there's just things of that nature that I think Sopranos goes so much deeper into than any other show I've ever watched at least and definitely any uh any show I think we've talked about on the show
0: Oh, like, I'm I'm with like, you 100% and like I said earlier, you know, with all these, with all these familiar faces like Paulie, Silvio, we see, we see, uh, Tony, Livia, Janice, Johnny Soprano. Uh, I mean, we didn't get to know Johnny Soprano obviously at all in The Sopranos, but he was, uh, he was relevant all the time. Another character relevant all the time who we finally got to meet, Dickie Multisanti, right. father to Chrissy Multisanti. Uh, his, his story was one that I was, uh, I wasn't anticipate, I was very excited for. Uh I wasn't anticipating uh a- like any of it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, I, I just
1: think I think if we can go back to the Sopranos and think about the one time or the most prominent episode where we're to- you know, made to think about Dickie Moltisanti and, and who that is. Outside of when, you know, Chrissy's, you know, mentioned him and talked about him a little bit. But the episode where can we spoil that up uh, the the show? We we can you know,
0: I, I want to save that. A, we'll save that a little okay, bit for the okay, deeper conversation enough. later.
1: But, but knowing, knowing what happens, you know, with in the yeah. show, the you know what episode I'm probably talking about. It'll make more sense when we get to it. But um, I just feel like this story, seeing it, it it does make him for an anticipated character. You want to know because it's like that specific, This you're hopefully finding the answer by the end of this movie to the largest question surrounding that character from the you know from what we saw from yeah, the show so exactly um i don't know i can't wait to talk about specifically uh like it'll be the opening scene. I can't wait to jump to it, and not not that we yeah. need to jump to it now, but I have had a thought no. ruminating all day since we started planning this. And
0: uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I have I have one last thing I really want to mention yeah, no, for let's the go new for, it. for the new characters. Uh, besides Dickie Multiscanti, who uh, was fantastic, and uh, love the actor.
1: I who what what's his name?
0: I was just about. I to haven't pour it up I haven't seen
1: a... him. I may have seen him before, but I hadn't recognized him.
0: Like Alessandro uh, Alessandro Nivola as uh, Dickie Moltisanti. Uh, I just he felt was like,
1: fantastic. Yeah, I felt like the way he portrayed that character, just like the herky-jerky, like that's very on par with what not only what we see from mob life in general from Sopranos and what we're, these guys are portrayed as is like they have so much at stake all the time and so many like things going on that, you know, they gotta be not only, like, head on a swivel, but I understand the herky-jerky attitude, and, like, why they're always all over the place, and, you know, like, we're made to understand that these mob guys, like, the way they live their life, like, just, they will snap, and, like, have these hair-trigger moments, and, like, Dickie, for a while, seems like maybe he's a softer touch. Maybe I, I a love different, that. Maybe he's a I different I love type. that. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the movie, you know, you
0: see an arc. It, it happens. I mean, like, but... that's the thing. That's what's. That's another thing that the, the Sopranos has always made a point to show you. Yeah. Is the, she... is, is the multiple dimensions of these mobsters. Because, like, they can seem like the nicest guys on earth. Meadow, at one point, talks about uh, Vito in the, in the show. Uh, her uncle Vito. Uh, to uh, her boyfriend, and she's like, she's like, oh, he's the nicest guy in the world. He would never do anything like. And like, meanwhile, all the while you he's just threatening this motherfucker yeah. all the time. Like, you that's, know, uh, and you know. So I think that's
1: where it is. It's like I I love this character because I felt like it was maintained either longer or built a little harder. That he he did seem for a while like he really did want to do better, you know. And yeah. and I think. Knowing Chrissy is that – knowing Chrissy's ambitions and how he's – you know, how we saw him feel and the conflict he was a lot of times feeling in the show, it makes you understand and see a lot of similarity. You can't help but see it, you know, a lot with those two. And
0: not just between Dickie and Chrissy. I'd say I see even more similarities between Dickie and Tony. And and that's where you understand it
1: because – Tony gravitated so much more to Dickie in the movie you see that and it makes total sense I just feel like I don't know man Tony just oh no it's hard it it was hard because once you get to those later seasons all of a sudden that all that like stuff that you felt like he was trying to be better maybe it just it slowly dissipates and dissipates and like yeah yeah, yeah, I don't know Chrissy's just ending is so much more defin- definitive that it, it does yeah. feel like he did actually have better intentions, but at the same time. Well And there's
0: also the fact that he was, he was just he, he, like in, in the show, Chrissy's just a younger character yeah. too. Like yeah. he, he,
1: he, he's, he's got, he's well, and I think that gets reflected in the different kinds of demons he battles. You know, we see Tony battle a lot of different demons, but he doesn't battle, you know, drug and substance addiction. And that's yeah. something that Chrissy constantly had to struggle with. And I think that's just, as a younger person, I feel like those older characters didn't understand addiction. Those older characters didn't think about it. They didn't understand that addiction was something that could actually be tough to fight with
0: and so Chrissy right, and was Chrisy what, one what that they was didn't realize is that addiction is a like an an essentially they thought it. you, you could control, control that, that yeah. shit.
1: It's not, not, and I think that's where Chrissy being younger definitely comes into play is that he's more in touch with, like, this is so hard. This is so hard for me to fight. And, like, why, you know, why do I struggle? And ultimately, the conclusion, at least I was made to find, was that the only way Chrissy could probably ever kick anything like that for good is probably by kicking the rest of all of it, is by kicking that lifestyle out the window. And when we, when he tried to do the best he could to do that, And limit it from being, you know, in places where it's easy to fall into addiction again. That's when they They turn turn right back in, essentially, and make it impossible for him. So it's just one of those things where you feel, I I just, I feel more, I guess, sorrow maybe is the word I'm looking. I feel more like pain for Dickie and Chrissy than I guess I want to for Tony just because Tony makes it harder.
0: I am 100% with you. I am 100% with you. And another difference there, you know, Tony obviously grows up with some pretty shitty parents, as yeah. we see with Livia and Johnny. Well, However, Chrissy straight up grows up without a dad. Yeah. Like. Well, and I think what's. Uh,
1: it's just. You definitely see where Tony gets which sides from. Like, you could definitely see that when Tony wa- does want to be genuine. And he does want to be, you know, caring or try to be better or has, you know, those deeper thoughts or those, you know, you can tell that's definitely the influence Dickie had on him. And you see that in this movie, how that gets there in in the show, you know. But I think then when Tony acts like, you know, Tony, essentially, I guess, when he leans into who he really, you know, can't run from being, I guess, is the way I would want to word it. That's the Livy. That's the Johnny. That's that, you know, in it. Bottom line you you can't sugarcoat it, Vicky isn't a saint by any means he's not an angel however the 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 intent to do better and what I felt like they portrayed him as emotionally, i guess a little better, what he wanted to try to be, it did seem a little more genuine like it it, it did, and maybe maybe that's not true. Maybe the action kind of says otherwise, well, but I don't know. He's...
0: Here's my thing, and we'll get to we'll get to that more later, but one of the uh one of the uh main characters who he is opposite. The character he is opposite who is brand new, we'd never met before, Harold McBrayer, uh played by Leslie Odom Jr., who is just fucking fantastic. Killer. Killer. Loved loved him. Absolutely and this character was, I'm not gonna lie, a redemption for David Chase and all the writers of the Sopranos. Because here's the thing. They were fucking Bad at writing black people
1: yeah i mean you can see it it's not it it isn't even hard to to say it's not hard to see it i mean you go back and you see the episode where chrissy and adriana are in the burger shop that's the the prominent one that's the most and then you know i think part of it sometimes there's a reason that's the most prominent one
0: is because they didn't let them do that shit again they were like hey you can't write black people See, because it's, it's so, it was so caricatury and so over the top. Yeah. it was so painful to watch. Oh, no, absolutely. See, here's where I
1: think they do it. When you're portraying the mob like that, like I feel like those thoughts are kind of in a sense there. That doesn't mean that they should be portrayed that way in that sense. However, like an episode where I think it, what's it called, um, uh, armed black man or something like that, or or what's it called? Do you know what I'm talking about when they essentially just blame the shooting on, uh, for, uh, I think it's for, it's, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, God, they, it's Meadow's boyfriend. And then, you know, yeah. they veto wax him. Actually, it's veto that does it. Oh, spoiler, sorry. Uh,
0: no, it's cool. But yeah, um, like,
1: that's what that I be think they, that you was know, a common tactic like, they yeah, use. Yeah, no, and that makes sense. See, like, I get that. Like, That's the mob. Like that's how they would go about doing things like that. And that's that makes sense. But like when we're portraying it like that, that just seemed and the weird thing was was how just like out of nowhere and random it felt was like I don't feel like you needed to do it that way at all. Like I feel like if you wanted to write a story kind of working towards that way, he didn't have to be exactly as you said, so caricaturing cartoonish over the top, like that's not how it is at all. Even back in that like even back when it was like in the early 2000s, you know, when you go look at a picture of, like Gucci Mane back then rapping on lemons on the chain with the V cut.
0: Like, no, that's still not like that wasn't even close. Like, we're not even no, still. No, not a, I remember like Massive Genius. Do you remember Massive Genius? <laughs> one? That's the one. That's I think that's the same episode. I think it's the same episode where they go to the burger joint. It's the rapper. Uh, that, but yeah, yeah. Well, Christie... he
1: actually, it's the dude who plays Shocker, the second Shocker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Spider-Man uh... Uh,
0: Homecoming. Oh. Uh, would, uh, what's his name? Bokeem, Bokeem Woodbine. I think that's his name. He's a, he's a great actor.
1: Yeah, no, I actually, I think somebody, it may have been, I can't remember. Somehow I came across this guy's IMDb page one time and I was actually kind of impressed
0: by, um, oh no, he's been in a lot of shit. Yeah, And and that's what lets me know. That's what lets me know they can't write black people because he's a fantastic right actor. and
1: they made him and, look and feel like that like you he, he could did. have ran with so much more you could have tasked him or just given him so much less and said hey you run with it
0: you take it and here's another thing maybe it shouldn't have been the sopranos writers can't black can't write black people it should have just been the Sopranos staff might might think about hiring black people yeah that's, uh, <laughs> that's also a very good point yeah that could help get the perspective in there yeah, but uh, nevertheless, uh, <coughs> I just I just loved that character. He was his character was a redemption for absolutely that, uh, for me. And uh, I I want to just go ahead and let's get to it. Yeah. Let's, hey, let's uh, talk about it.
1: quick before we jump in, did you see David Chase? Uh, why he kind of decided to talk about the riots and stuff, and how he felt about that? Because I was actually kind of interested. Why. He. Apparently, he lived in New York or in that area and in that time, like his parents, they were, he he grew up during those riots. And so I think he said it was something that he felt was very prominent and that he like had a good distinct memory of and felt like he had a segue there to tie in. So I've seen people say that they didn't feel like it felt like two separate stories or like, and stuff like that, like it shouldn't have been tied in. I, I don't. Listen, that's I don't great. know. Maybe no, I'm this, just a homer for what I like and what I have a past love for, but like I just didn't
0: I felt like I'm going to go ahead and dive in here. Spoiler yeah. free over. The Newark riots are are important for Harold McBrayer's character. Right. Like that's all. Like they 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 are effective for Dicky Moltisanti and that he and the the rest of the mob and that they can blame their crimes on black people. Again, another Example of just timeless institutional racism. Yeah, in and I mean, as, they, they as definitely... in this 1960s movie, they're blaming all their crime on black people as, like, we were just talking about. They would do that in yes. the Soprano show set yeah. in the 2000s. No,
1: I, and I mean, I think it definitely also just shows that, like... I mean, it can show that the mob like use that as a growing point, like they use that as a jumping off point to like, you know, like you said, they had a cover up, they, they could operate under the radar, and in that scenario and get away with a whole lot more. So I mean, it's I don't know. I mean, I can see how it ties in. I mean, that's a distinct point where the mob might have taken a turn in New Jersey because the New Jersey mob is in real life and in The Sopranos has been portrayed as a little bit like less tight, like less, uh, you know, I guess they're not the biggest in this, family of the, you know, the crime families. The New Jersey ones are kind of you even hear him talk about not only in in the Sopranos, do you hear the Italians talk about how they don't like the American Italians and stuff like that. But, like, mm-hmm. also, I just feel like, you know, the New Jersey mob is traditionally a little bit weaker than the rest of them. So I feel like using this as a point to show, hey, they did kind of make some ground and, like, gain strides through using that as a vessel to cover up everything,
0: you know. And well, it, it I Not only that. that, but in contrast... They were not the only ones who saw what was happening, and realized, "Hey, we need to do something for our community." Right. So when Harold McBrayer is like, "I'm going to open a book of my own," he's, he's his plan is to do exactly what the mob is doing for Black people. Well, like that,
1: that's... and I think that's him because he's like, man look at what look at how they live look at how they capitalize off of all of this shit and then look at what my like look at what my people are having to go through and have to deal with like if I can hope like I think that's the one thing you can say about the mob is like bar none they look out for their people like whether obviously wrong but like when they get the stuff, they take care of the people that are tied to them. They take care of the yeah. people. There aren't any Italians in that community in that time frame of this movie that are living down bad, really. Like they're getting looked after for the most part. If you have a connection or a tie, if you're to in that a neighborhood.
0: Mob, if you're in the neighborhood, you're looked yeah. after.
1: In and, and bare minimum, you're at least protected. They're not gonna let some shit go on with you. You know what I mean? So. Uh-huh. I think to the same point like I can understand why McBrayer wants he wants his piece of the pie. He's like if they're going to do it well then shit, why can't I?
0: Like so I, and, I I mean and his his portrayal and his character arc was definitely the the one that real I really uh found compelling because Yeah, no, I agree completely. The entire time the entire movie you're led to believe at the end of this movie he is the one who is going to have Dickie Moltisanti killed. Mm-hmm. And another example of the whole Sopranos, yeah, we're going to lead you one way. Gotcha. Actually, we've actually been laying the seeds for a whole other thing for, uh, in the background. Oh, Dude, and on rewatch, I rewatched the movie today for the first time since I watched it the first time. And uh, I, I, I obviously on, on this watch, I watched Junior Soprano character more uh just because he the, ends up yeah, and look for he it. ends up being the most important. and i mean like you look at uh when uh he picks johnny up from prison and he's like w- looky look at Dickie multasanti yep that was the his first dad
1: thing. dies yep yep and and it reminds steps up it reminds me of how Chrissy felt with tony It reminds me of how Chrissy felt with Tony when he wanted more on his plate, and he wanted Tony to go to bat for him, and Tony wouldn't do it. Tony, you know, uses his capos, you know, and he he rides with them and doesn't, you know, at that point in the series anyway. And so I just feel like we've seen a lot of this stuff before, and it's just like like you said, when you watch it the first time, you lean. You do. It's impossible not to. They are – They are making you do that just so they can pull the rug out at the last minute. And Chase is one of uh, he's a great he's a great director in that sense. He does that better than a lot. No, and I love
0: I love that Junior Soprano. Like now, this is a whole other thing to to watch the Sopranos. It makes sense because
1: look at what he did. He wants Tony whacked at one point in the series. It This
0: this feels like the first step. Towards Junior becoming, ju- I mean, like he was already an ass. I mean, you, you hear him on the phone. Ah, oh, you, your sister's cut. Yeah, that, that whole thing. You hear, you hear that every, every time. And Corey Stoll was just fucking fantastic as a young Junior Soprano. Uh, but I think this was like the first time you know he he had someone whack. He had a maid guy whacked. He had like which an is, important person. Which whacked. is
1: entirely if anyone knows mob rules and if you've watched the sopranos you know you don't mo- you don't you don't whack a made guy without permission from and well,
0: then like i i just watched goodfellas the other night too and like that's like one of that's yeah, one of the it, things they're like well, hey we we just whacked a made guy and that is not something you do unless you've organized a sit down and, and have everything emissions. you can to avoid it mm-hmm. like that's that's the thing. And, and,
1: and in Sopranos, we see that so much, how many times people wanted to have people whacked, and the sit-down stops that or prevents that. And mm-hmm. so, like, I just, you know, it's one of those things where, I don't know, oh, Junior in Sopranos seemed like a very whiny slash entitled. Like, he didn't ever really, like, in Sopranos, I never felt like I saw Junior do enough to, like, like, here's what I'll say about Tony. Tony wanted to make the money, wanted to be the boss, and Tony took steps to make the fucking money. Tony was always, he may have done some really fucked up things to go about getting it, he may have crossed people that he shouldn't have, all this and that, everything, but he was about his bread and he was about making money for the whole crew. He wanted that crew to have power. Junior wanted to be in charge of it and lead it and run it, but then wouldn't get active and trying to make and I get he's an older character so it's not as easy but I don't feel like Junior just expected that to kind of all fall into his lap and you see him get constantly overlooked and it's because he doesn't ever stand up or go out and make it happen
0: and this movie is is incredibly important in seeing how that comes to be yeah no exactly Johnny Johnny is gone for four years it is his opportunity to take over make sure everyone knows he should like he can and shouldn't. Shit runs be at the through home. him.
1: Shit runs through him is what should he couldn't, have been established.
0: He couldn't, wait. He couldn't wait to tell them. Like, hey, Johnny's away. I, I control shit now. Uh all this shit runs through me. Uh, and then he does a bad job. Yeah. And, and it's like he he said he he writes it off. He's like, I had a lot going on. I had to do this. I had to do this. I had to do this. And it's like everybody who's in charge has to do this and has to do this and has right. to do this. That's just like that's Look at look at what it drove Tony to. Tony had to go see a
1: freaking psychiatrist because of it. Essentially just yeah. the load and and the stress and the and the mental aspect of that, which is a whole
0: brilliant brilliant way to frame it. A, a whole nother oh, no, story. Like the fact but, that the whole like the whole story the whole Soprano show is and, about Tony's psychological health. And and, and what I will say,
1: happen. what I will say is I can't stand the the finish to the arc of Melfi. However, that is a whole different conversation about a whole different no thing. No shit! But. You can't stand the end of that arc? I just. It didn't feel complete enough.
0: I just wish there would have. I wish. I don't know. I, I see. You. I'm with you. I thought, like, instantly, I was like, that's it? But then I thought even more and I was like, yo, that should have been it. Fucking six seasons ago. She should have kicked him the fuck out of her office in season one. Right. That's what should have happened. So, like, the fact that that's how it ultimately ends, I'm just like, for me, that was like a fucking final. Okay. You know, like,
1: hey, I see what you're saying. Cause like, you want to root for her. It's like, hey, this isn't good for you. Because you could see the headspace Tony occupied. I, you don't ever see her meet with other clients. But like, you get the sense that when she meets with Tony and the way she, you know, we've seen her interact outside of work and think and she talk thinks about Tony quite a bit. And, you know, it's like, man, she's. Kind of probably inhibited at her job a little bit with others because of Tony and the headspace he's occupying, and you know, it makes total sense that Tony, as selfish and as much as he wants, it makes total sense that he would occupy that headspace, and that's probably exactly what he wants. But that's again whole nother conversation. But I just I had to had to say that because I just think Junior, he just has this whiny nature, but he doesn't go do anything he's he's a he is the you know apex spectator you know in sports you hear a coach say well are you playing or you spectating pay me the five dollar spectator fee you know make sure you pay for your admission that's what junior's whole entire like he has like you said in this movie and then in the show we see him have a legitimate chance to take the reins and be the guy and and be like yo Shit runs through me, and I'm going to have my hands on all the shit that comes through this mob and, like, the shit that we do, and I'm going to fucking make the money. And he just expects it to happen, and well, I think— he, What what do you do when that's not happening for you? Yeah. I'll just fucking kill the guy. Yeah. And that's just saw. I think he takes the coward's way out. I think Junior is—like, in Sopranos, I feel like we were supposed to see that, that he's kind of cowardice. But I feel like you see that this wasn't something that happened with old age or something that, you know, he got old and expected shit to happen for him because he was old. Like, no, he's been thinking this for quite a while. He never had that do it attitude.
0: And they also make the point to tell you that, like, he's also like for the standards of like getting into being like a a top player. He's already a little late to the game, even at this point. Like. I, like, I remember whenever, the, like, in the show, he's pissed that Tony is chosen over him. He was pissed before that when April was chosen over him, and he was pissed before that when Johnny was chosen over him. Right. So, like, like, he, like, he was just, like, he, he always expected more and more and more, and just, like, he wasn't going to get it because he wasn't that dude. And right. he just no, couldn't. No, I, I just, I think he was a guy that, said
1: things from you know essentially the stands always he never wanted to actually get into the field and make sure and get his hands dirty essentially which like we see with Tony when Tony had that New Jersey crew in the heyday of success and when they were doing the most Tony was hands-on with all of that shit and we can talk about I mean obviously if that was healthy for him yes or no you know obviously but like he was doing it because he's like, the safest hands are my own, and if I start taking a backseat, they're going to lose respect, and they're going to lose not only that, but they're going to start trying to exclude me from shit. And that's when all the shit goes south, you know? If he's going to, like, Junior just didn't lack, he, or he didn't have that, like, way of not only kind of intimidation and fear to kind of keep people tight-knit and loyal, I mean, as crooked as that sounds, Tony did leverage fear a lot with these
0: people. I mean, no secret. Dude was a fucking behemoth. Yeah. Like, no, like James Gandolfini was like 6'4, 270 I mean, pounds. Like, and, this man was fucking huge.
1: And look at, uh, you see it in a lot of episodes, and uh, you, you literally see Tony even pretty much say it to us as viewers when he kicks the shit out of his bodyguard that's like a yoked ass dude. And he just snaps and kicks his ass because he's like, I just had a heart attack. I got to show these motherfuckers. I'm still like that. And like, Junior ain't doing that. Junior ain't going to show. And like, here's the thing. Jackie ran that mob when he was older still. And obviously we didn't really get to see it because, you know, Tony pretty much takes over because Jackie's dead right at the beginning of the show. But I'm assuming, you know, Jackie had that crew still pretty tight, probably because Jackie had commanded respect from early on. He was when he was crumbing up in the game and coming up, he was respected. Junior isn't respected because he didn't do anything to earn it. He didn't get his hands dirty.
0: Junior's the type of dude who slips and falls and you laugh at his fucking ass. Right, right. That's right. That's the type of dude that he is. and with that, let's let's talk some more Dickie Multisanti and his storyline yep. in this. Let's do it. Uh, so we 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 begin with him and Tony. You know, we see them at first, and I love Christopher Multisanti. That's exactly what I story. wanted to
1: talk about. I just love that immediately we jump in. The first thing we hear is is Chrissy.
0: I met death not far from here on Route twenty three,
1: and and especially that that's what we hear is it's like they're not the, like we are you know supposed to be thinking about all of that like that's that definitely like chase is just saying hey like you remember all this stuff that happened right like this you're gonna see shit that's gonna you know apply to that and like i just love that we still get to see this from chrissy's perspective a little bit we're not forced not only to just think about it from chrissy's perspective or how this stuff goes on to affect chrissy later in life i love that we hear his perspective to a degree
0: The guy I went to hell for. I mean, I here, was
1: like that line oh. right there, because that, that's one of the hardest hitting lines from Sopranos as a whole, I feel like, and especially from Chrissy, is that, you know, that's him, Adriana. That's the man I'm going to hell for, my Uncle Tony. And then you hear that exact same thing, and it's just like, you're reminded about, god damn, like, you really feel that sympathy for Chrissy again, and we haven't even seen him in the movie. We're just hearing his voice, and like... Then you you know, once baby Chrissy comes along, it gets even more prevalent that it's like, Man, this is so fucked.
0: No, and it's like it's like they're making a weird like Sopranos was always about that like weird mystical side of things where it's like Yeah, it's it's definitely artistic, it's definitely taking artistic liberties, but they're also alluding to like these things are happening to the characters, how realistic that is, I don't know, but deal with it so like whenever she's whenever the lady at the dinner table's like you know they say babies they know things from the other side mm-hmm. that's i i take that as that's the voiceover we're hearing we're hearing chrissy who knows all this yeah shit. well you i know, mean like, think about it also when i think paulie's a great
1: example of that paulie is essentially in the show i feel like one of the biggest vessels for what you're talking about right there with like that kind of like Mythical, I guess, side of things or whatever is like Polly when Chrissy's dead and the cat and in Satriales and yeah. you know all we're led to believe there and just you know Polly seeing uh, the Virgin Mary and the Bing. I mean, it's they haven't been afraid to embrace it. So at this point, it's almost like you we can't saw the you, Mary. You, you can't exactly discount time stone three times. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. your your impressions.
0: So, no, I'll tell you, right you what. There. The way they portrayed the young the young guys was just so spot. Oh on. man, like, Silvio, so funny. young Silvio Dante, perfect. Young Polly, uh-huh. perfect. Young pussy. Oh yeah. I was like pussy bump. And the fact that whenever Chrissy went to go see us, uh, oh, what was his name? Uh, whenever they-, they put the drill in that dude's mouth. Oh,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I just, I thought it was really, really, like, as, as the parallel here between, like, the mob life of Dickie Moltisanti and Tony Soprano.
1: Well, it feels here, like we've seen this holding, before. It feels like we've seen this before, but also seeing Pauly freak out about it getting on his... His coat and, and all that in his appearance that. Not just like that the
0: fact that the guy Dicky was bringing to do shit like this is the same guys that, that Tony brings to do shit like this well, it's it's still Polly, it's still Silvio and, it is it was still pussy up until that I, you know,
1: and what I also love about it is like we've been told in the show that Dicky had a pretty profound impact on tony and in in the movie we're definitely led to believe that like. Dickie's he's the whole reason well you he's know everything yeah exactly so I love that like we're seeing that like Tony wants to trust the dudes that were around when Dickie was around in a sense like he's not gonna ride with anybody else he's like oh well Dickie was like the guy for me these were his guys I want those guys like
0: I want Paulie really makes. It, it really makes clear the age discrepancies in that crew in New Jersey because that was one of my main thoughts the entire time of the show. I was like, "What the fuck's going on here? We've got like we got Silvio right. and Paulie who are like sixty fucking years old answering to answering to Tony, who's and I like." I think that uh, speaks 40. volumes
1: to what those guys in that crew would respect. Is because Dicky was, I mean, Dicky at the same time was the same age. But look at the similarities between Dickie and Tony. They respected Dickie. It's no surprise that they're gonna respect Tony even though he's younger, because mm-hmm. he's like what they used to ride for. They used to ride for Dickie and the shit that he, you know, the way he did business. And so it's no surprise that when we get to the show, they're gonna side with a guy like that. They aren't gonna want Junior at the home. They like the young, the fire. They like that in Tony because it probably reminds them of Dickie. And, you know, Dicky had that crew doing some pretty I mean bad shit, but good shit in terms of like what the goals of the mob are, you know what I mean? Yeah, like in terms of like, making money. Yeah. So uh, it's no surprise they're like, hey, that recipe kinda worked with Dickie. Why not Tony, you know? Why not
0: press it? So I love I also love that at the end of this movie, uh, uh we'll get we'll get we'll get to it later. Uh but I I like the the sprouting of Dickie and Tony's relationship as we see at the beginning. Uh, whenever they they go to see Ray Liotta, uh, Hollywood Dick Moltisanti yeah. uh, with his uh, with his new wife uh, Giuseppe, and uh, I, I I just love that first interaction, like the very first thing, five uh, bet five bucks who sees him first, and Tony's like, hey, I don't even have five bucks, and like, and Dicky going, I well, think you better win, like I, this is a very very. Child, childlike way, but to show exactly what they do. Yeah, like, exactly. That's what I was gonna what say. Is that's they how do. they
1: do business, but on a much bigger scale. Is by yeah. scheming those guys. Look at um, oh gosh, I probably should know the actor's name. He's actually been in a lot of different things. He plays, I think he plays the bad guy in T two. He's the other Terminator. It's, oh. He he's got a kid that goes to school with, I think, Meadow or whatever. He owns a sporting goods store and Tony's like, Hey, I'll let you in the yeah. game anyway, even though he's already in yeah. debt, and then he goes even further down the rabbit hole, and it's like that's how they get you. Is they suck you in and say, Oh, well, you better win. Like, you know, you you got it, you can do it. Knowing like yeah. hey, if he wins, he still owed me money anyway, and if he loses, woo-hoo, baby. Woo-hoo, got him. You know baby. that essentially becomes a guy that's just like you can have him do whatever you want now because otherwise you just kill him or take his money. Okay, yeah. So that yeah, character specifically too. from The Sopranos is like, you know, an example of what you were just talking about. It's like,
0: that's how they suckered these people, you know? 100%. 100%. And uh, there there, are there a couple instances where it just felt like, like some light foreshadow, like several instances of just like light foreshadowing or straight up foreshadowing. And, uh, but there were several interactions between Dickie and Tony that I just absolutely loved. Oh, like, uh, the la- one from later the trailer,
1: in. the one from the trailer is fantastic, of course. Oh, yeah. Where, where it's, hey, hey, this is the last time I'm ever going to steal something. And Tony's like, yeah. You, Tony, like, oh, yeah, I can see how I can validate this shit in my head. Like yeah, okay, right. so, like, I'll just take it this once. Yeah, and then, like, okay. every time I take from then on out, hey, it's the last time, it's the last time, and then, you know, eventually, hey, there will be a last time, I'm sure, sometime down the road, but until then, you know, it'll be the last time, we'll just keep rolling it back. <laughs>
0: My favorite interaction in the whole movie between them though was when he walks into the room and he's reading the comic book and he's like, Can't you read a normal comic Superman Jughead? And he's like, No, I'm reading this one. It's about uh it's about this, 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 and this. And he's like, I didn't know there were Jews in the medieval times. And he's like and Tony goes, and it was just it, like this young kid just nailed the Tony Soprano delivery because he went, Well, the Bible <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like... <laughs> It's funny
1: because it's just Tony having that snark about him. It's so funny. Like I don't, I guess it makes total sense. You look at who he grew up with, with Livy and with Johnny. He's going to obviously at a young age, probably have that snark, especially when you know how much he got in trouble in school as a kid. But it is funny. Like you said, to see it, like he's like, Hey.
0: And as it pertains to Livia specifically, um, there's another layer here. I mean, obviously, the the first couple seasons of the Sopranos are largely about Tony's relationship to his mom. Right. That's that's a very huge element of the of the show. And uh we see not not only is it the typical mother issues that would come with his situation. Right. Another an, like there's also the fact that he glommed on to Dickie Moltisanti. Because that was the only person she was happy about. I didn't even think
1: about that. And man, that is a huge thing I missed. God, see, and that's where I, I thats where I didn't have time today. I was at class in baseball. I didn't get to rewatch. But that is a good point. Like, she did have... Uh, she definitely took a liking to Dickie.
0: He, whenever they're at uh, Janice's confirmation and, and Dickie walks over and he's like, Hey, your daughter's confirmation. And then she's like, I'm sitting over here. Like like what do you come on over like (laughs) well and it makes me it makes me think about tony
1: and it's like okay like you know you've seen tony put on the charm in in sopranos a lot and like you kind of start to pick up on okay like you know he's probably not getting that from like you know your Polly, like he's not smooth like that he's not picking it up from those guys and so it makes Mm -hmm. sense that the one that he like you said, he gravitates to and kind of molds himself a little bit after is the one that he felt like gave him the best chance to probably make his mom want to love him a little more, I guess. Yeah. Like, no, it says exactly. that's simple.
0: that's that's ultimately it. It's it, like I, I, wa- I, I remember I was like watching earlier today, and whenever he approaches him and is like, uh, like my mom she she needs help she's been told she needs to take this medication and she won't listen to me i know that she definitely won't listen to my fucking dad and like he's been shown like there's nobody else in his life it's crazy there's nobody else in his life i would recommend he look up to right right i think he's the best option no he really is because uh, you know it you're like
1: like i i your point is so solid because Obviously, telling any child to look up to a mob figure, of course, n- not ideal. However, yeah, he was fucked. He was yeah fucked no exactly. What. And that I think gets reflected in this movie with Chrissy's story, too. Is like, we'll get there. I really, my thought really has to reside with Dickie and Hollywood Dick specifically. And that kind that whole relationship and everything is really where I had those thoughts. Um, but I mean, that dysfunction is prevalent. And like, it's it shows up in this movie. And I just that was one of the big takeaways I had was like, how it's so easy to see how Chrissy can not only be torn so much in the show based on what we see, like what he was forced to grow up with. But also kind of like, what shaped him to have the attachment he did? You know,
0: like, it it makes a lot of sense. Well, no, it is crazy that like Tony was the father figure of sorts in. Which in is Chrissy's funny because life. in the movie,
1: we're showing that Chrissy doesn't really take a liking or gravitas towards Tony at all uh, as a baby. <laughs> Not when he's a baby, but yeah, and Not and that's a baby, yeah, yeah, and that's I think what's funny is it's like, man, if only he was as wise as he was when he was a baby. Like, is essentially well, the gist. But there's a
0: scene, there's a scene uh, where he's like, uh, whenever he's like. All the indictment, like all these indictments came down and I wish I was here before that. Like, I wish I was like able to grow up. It it almost sounds like he wishes he would have been able to grow up with Tony instead of under Tony, because right. I mean, whether you like it or not, I mean, like I don't know, though, because like.
1: I think there's a distinct point in the show where that probably changes, because like I think at one point. Like that relationship was actually pretty strong and sturdy. And I feel like Chrissy felt like what he was investing was actually, you know, working towards paying off in some sense, even if it didn't come as early as he would have liked. And then I feel like the distinct changes once he gets that, he sees how much that relationship changes and falls apart on him. And I think, you know, it's hard because I feel like one of the key points of falling apart in that relationship is the addiction issues. Chrissy battles and I feel like it sucks because like you want to feel bad for Chrissy but at the same time you also understand Tony because like Tony probably wishes he would be better like he wishes this road he, that Chrissy wouldn't have ever ended up down you know an addiction road but then you got to think about as Tony like how have I contributed to making this happen essentially and that's where Tony doesn't really look into so right
0: right but, Nah, yeah I uh I I remember whenever uh Tony, you know, does the deed, kills, uh, kills Chrissy. I, I like. It was so sudden, so so quick, such a quick decision. It remind it reminded me a lot of. I mean, he he obviously didn't lose his cool the way that Dicky does on his dad here but i felt right. like there was an i felt like there was a well, parallel there he essentially wanted he to take
1: it into his own hands to be the judge, jury and executioner of like i am going to be the one that brings judgment down to you like he's like you would have just killed your daughter over addiction essentially is is tony's essential judgment and you deserve to die mm-hmm. for that not like oh hey let's switch seats so i can take this charge because you're fucked up it's like i'm not claiming that that was also okay i i see obviously for christy that's the only route like that's his only like way that he saves it you know essentially yeah yeah for sure however you know if you're tony is it instead of being the judge during an execution of like you don't deserve to live anymore after what just happened why isn't it oh how about i just let you take this charge and then you'll fucking be forced to go get the help and
0: like i reason there is he's an reason here is that he was like if i think that runs even deeper The addiction makes him so careless that he could have potentially killed his daughter. Okay, if he could have potentially killed his daughter, what else could the addiction cause? Could the addiction cause him to get taken in and then fold on us?
1: Well, he also has pussy as a prime example of what happens when you get involved with drugs. So I, I, I see that is also true. It's just one of those things, though. Like I said, where it's like you know, I see how Dicky does it too. Like he took that into his hands, and like Dicky's, I, I agree, his felt much more out of rage. His felt much more like, oh, god damn it! And, and, and,
0: and it was it was years of suppressed rage. However, he was talking it, about, it is how...
1: definitely a little bit of like he's trying to be the judge. He wants to be bring the judgment down upon his dad for what, like, just you know, like you said, suppressed rage. He's seen it all for too long and you know yeah i i just i do see the similarity though it's just like you said i think dickie's is a little more rage induced but that doesn't make it any uh less i guess valid
0: per se oh no not at all not at all don't get me wrong i was just saying that like yeah no no it it felt different
1: but i think the like gist of it is definitely right on similarity um No, I just think I love that, like, when we see Dickie and Hollywood Dick interact, I just love that it is all dysfunction all the time with those two. And I think it's just like when what we've seen with these mob families and not even just necessarily the mob families, but the families that are even tied in somehow, some way. Look at Artie and Charmaine. They fucking go through dysfunction and struggle like nobody else. And they aren't necessarily in the mob. But like they have that tie and they have that relationship and they are helpless to essentially get out of it. Charmaine tries and Artie's response is going more in depth into the relationship to try to fix it with salad dressings and such. You know, it's it's like you see the dysfunction that this causes. And I think like to know that Chrissy grew up in an environment not unlike not not unlike that of Tony's. Obviously, Chrissy being different because he had no parents. Essentially, yeah, yeah. he yep, didn't yep, have yep, a dad. Mom, but... Yeah, he has mom, but he didn't have his dad. Um, but like knowing that dysfunction, like look at what AJ and Meadow had to deal with seeing his, with their parents. Look at what um, Vito's children had to deal with their with his with their parents. Like all of these children have essentially had horrible ways. Like it sucks because they're afforded everything. They're afforded everything they could ever have or want. But when it comes from and they are act and see the things that they see, it's no wonder we get Vito's Vito's son lashing out, you know, and acting the way he acts in the show when we see that. It's no wonder we see AJ go through the struggles and turmoil and, you know, issues he goes through. It's no wonder we see Meadow having such a hard time finding what she wants to do, because it's like, I don't know what drives me. I don't know what the passion is, because like, I'm so used to having it not only all afforded, but like, it all seems so weird. Like, I don't know where, like I need, with Meadow, I feel like the conclusion we arrive at is like, she needed something that was morally fulfilling for her. And that's why I think we see her go from being doctor to being, you know, going into the law school path and stuff is like, she wanted to try to do something that could probably ease her conscience of knowing, Hey, I'm here based on a lot of bad things. And, like, I love with Meadow that that's the perspective because she's the oldest one. She's one of the only kids we actually see get to grow up. And, like, especially since she's a girl, of, you know, a woman, she doesn't get the uh, Jackie Jr. type of growing up, you know, where it's right. growing up to, you know, the inevitable being the of being into it, you know, being into that life. Um I love that with Meadow it's like we get to see a little bit different of a perspective and with Meadow I think it's really interesting because she's almost like I feel like she doesn't express her guilt but I feel like her going to the law side of things is kind of her way of trying to ease that
0: guilt and make up for it in a sense you know I I always viewed cuz I always viewed that a little a little differently I I don't know that it's to ease her guilt I think she goes in to be a public defender. So she, I, th- can... I think if I remember correctly, that's what it ended up being. I just I remember they focused a lot on the serving
1: like of her. like, she was trying to serve for like at the time when she was hoping out at the law office, it was like a lot oh, of yeah, like, like immigrants. Yeah. So I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like it's again, like when it was all afforded for her and like, she's raising that it's probably really hard to make a decision on like what my life is going to look like post all of that you know what I mean it's like there isn't a clear-cut blueprint because like a lot of the people we see grew up still have things fall apart like um oh gosh why am I struggling so hard uh who's I don't know why I feel stupid for blanking on this name it's He ends up having cancer, he goes to jail at the end, and then he dies, his daughter gets married, he gets arrested at the or he gets taken away in cuffs, he cries, and everybody makes Oh Johnny Sack. Johnny Sack, yes, gosh damn it. I'm so pissed, I forgot that name. I kept thinking Johnny, but then I'm like, that's Tony's dad. Um, like Johnny Sack's daughter, for example. Like, look at what she went through. Like she grew up and had her marriage, she got married. We see Meadow getting ready to get married, but we see that just because all of that stuff flows like a normal life, it's never normal. It always comes back. There is always going to be that looming, like, dread slash figure, even though you may not directly be involved. Like, Meadow knows she has no consequence, but, like, that is derailing life happenings right there, like, the things that happened to Johnny Sack and their family, like, you see, and I just feel like that's what I love about uh, Meadow's story is it's just, like, seeing a woman, you know, a daughter of a mobster, the woman growing up and stuff, it's, like, that's just you know it, you get to see that dysfunction i feel like you know it's just different from boy to woman and that's why i think Chrissy's, Oh, and absolutely and that's is. why i think and the dysfunction is. with chrissy is just that much more amplified is like when we see it in this movie like i mean dicky killed his own dad dicky killed his own dad in a fit of rage no, like that's like, something that and,
0: like even the monstrous tony we saw didn't yeah. even kill his mom right. who was like the worst and
1: essentially tried to have him killed like he didn't retaliate junior tried to have him killed at one point and also shot him and tony didn't retaliate and even when junior is like getting ready to die and it's all the way at the end and tony really hasn't spoken to him or has always said he wants nothing to do with him what's he do in the last episode we see him go visit him and he try he tries to stoke that conversation of like what that relationship kind of at one point used to feel like um and I I think that just like speaks volumes I guess is just like there's that dysfunction and dysfunction in the mob family and that's something David Chase always leans on it's always prevalent and it's why we see what happens to you know your Jackie juniors your Chrissy's even to them Chrissy's got it the worst because You know, Jackie Jr.'s dad wasn't around when it was kind of happening to get tied in. Jackie Jr. just felt like he needed to get tied in to, you know, I guess for the legacy of his dad in a sense. Yeah. Chrissy did that shit because he looked up to those people genuinely because that was all he had. And that's a product of all of the dysfunction that, you know, Dickie killing his own dad and, like, the family life that gets created when Dickie dies. Like, all of that dysfunction leads and drives... To what ends up happening, like you can literally look at that and identify it specifically as like something contributing to what Chrissy's ultimate demise, essentially, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And well, I also I also loved that Ray Liotta played his grandfather uh-huh. because yeah. there isn't a character I feel like Chrissy Multisante is more inspired by than Ray Liotta's character in Goodfellas. Like, uh, that movie opens with the line. All my life, I always wanted to be a gangster. And like that's what Chrissy like that right. was always Chrissy's plan. Right. He was always gonna be a gangster. He was always gonna get all the he was get but he wanted the lavish lifestyle of it. He didn't mm-hmm. didn't want the well as the a youngin' as life. a
1: youngin' you don't ever think about that, you know? And I think that's part of it too, is like growing up in that lifestyle. As a child, you see and live through the lavish. You don't experience or see or witness Unless you know, you talk, Tony talks about how he saw his dad. I think it's Tony, or maybe it's Chrissy, I can't remember, but cutting off the finger at Satch how he saw that, you know. Um, I think it was Tony, right? I'm pretty sure. Anyway, um, you know, outside of little things like that, they, those kids don't grow up seeing the things that they have to deal with. And like as a kid growing up in that lifestyle, you're afforded a lot of things. Like, look at what AJ and Meadow were given, and it's like, they didn't see what his dad was going through like he may have been irritable and stuff and that leads them to believe like oh maybe things are not very good right now
0: but they aren't
1: understanding or knowing like all of the deep and dark happenings and like i feel like that's part of it is like it's easy as a kid when those are the people that you're surrounded with to glorify that image of like oh all I see and understand is the rich and the lavish. So I want that. And that what they do is how they get it. So I need to do what they do.
0: Well, and it's also fascinating because there's a point, there's like the beginning of this movie, Tony and J- like Johnny Soprano and Livia and Janice and Tony, they aren't living the high life by any means when he's a young guy.
1: Well, and I think uh. that's relative. I think part of it is just like relative. Like I'm sure they're living like, like they're living better in the, in the times like you know maybe not necessarily they're not like obviously in our version of sopranos we see it with like big a fancy houses and you know the material things but you know mm-hmm. it's also no secret like they probably i feel like we've seen like they have tv sets that are like nice and like you know the age old sure. oh it fell off a truck type wing thing you know Like, well, that
0: that's, that's where it changes whenever he is older. Whenever we get that jump forward, we actually get a, get a line directly from Chrissy where he goes at at some point in high school, the Sopranos moved into the suburbs, the black thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and like, he just, he just says it like that. And it's like, God, that was disgusting, but it's so Sopranos. And then, and then, uh, and then he goes, uh, and I think this move made Tony kind of a pussy. And, uh, it it is important like that. That is important because Tony sees what living comfortably would be like outside of this life. That's what he wants for AJ. He doesn't want AJ to be a mobster. He wants AJ to be normal. He wants him. If I was my dad, if I, if I wouldn't have done what my dad did, I would have been a patio furniture salesman. And we also got a line in this where Olivia expressly states like he should go work for my, uh, for my brother and my brother-in-law at the patio furniture business.
1: Uh, I did but in the in like hearing that like yeah AJ wasn't really pushed towards that life in a for the most part and like you kind of see Tony like anytime AJ kind of starts showing like tendencies towards drip like Tony sees the similarities from like when he lashed out as a kid I think Tony's smart enough to understand like those lashings and stuff like obviously paint a picture that leads to what ends up being Tony's ultimate character and you know how he is who he is um mm-hmm. it just makes me sad I guess that like it's probably just the young in Tony that in in Dickie knowing who Dickie was of course he probably wants Chrissy to be the second coming of Dicky because he looked up a lot to Dickie thought he could be close to Chrissy he was for a while very close with uh, Chrissy I just feel like it's sad that you know He, when it's his own son, he wants to push him away, but from that life, but like Chrissy, you know, he claims he loves him so much, but he pushed him as far into it as he possibly could. It was, it was
0: absolutely that, that was his outlet. He didn't have to do it to AJ, but but he, and again, Dickie, like it's, it's so sad. Dickie's getting shot in the back of the head signs Mo- Chrissy's death note like that's it because mm-hmm. like, as soon as Tony's the one who's the, Takes the range, authority you know. figure in his life yeah. that's it that that's that vast. marks
1: like ultimately what leads because who knows maybe what we're led and what we see with Dickie I feel like we're led to believe that Dickie would have been probably in a sense of a, a kind of divine intervention for Chrissy where like he would have probably pushed Chrissy away from that life I feel like that's what we were made to see and believe is based on like, why do you paint Dickie as kind of like a a, a better than most, I guess, in a sense, or maybe that's yeah. the wrong way of putting it. But like you saw Dickie, I feel like he had a heart. Yeah, like putting he was more of an effort into being, you know, wearing that heart genuine. on his sleeve and showing that he actually, you know, could have some, you know, good character in him, I guess. Um, I feel like we're led to believe that because, like you said, him dying is probably the distinct marker of like, it's all downhill from here, Chrissy. Like, you're going to fall down a pretty dark path because of this exact moment. And, you know, it sucks because you probably do get the sense that Dickie would have had a definite impact and change on what would have likely happened. I think Oh, certainly. Dicky probably doesn't allow Tony to try to push Chrissy into that way. Or Dicky probably tries to pull Chrissy away from that in general, similar to what we see Tony do with AJ. Um, you know, it's it's a whole slippery slope. You know, you think about if Dicky survives and Dicky continues to make his way in the mob, makes his money, makes his money, you know. Does he follow the same kind of path as Tony, where it's move to the suburbs, afford your kids everything they can to be successful outside of mob life, outside, make their own money, or, you know, in some cases, I feel like the mob pushed the daughters to marry Rich, but, you know, regardless, like, get your life taken care of away from me, and I can always help, but, like, at least then, that gives me peace of mind that, like, I pushed you away from this. I... Wanted you to be better. I, uh, the you know the uh, the Tony Stark Iron Man to Spider Man. You know it's like I wanted to be like you. No, I wanted you to be better. That kind of thing. Like it's it's essential. And it
0: and it's even it's even more evident in that like whenever he's visiting, whenever Dickie's visiting Sally in in prison, uh, Hollywood Dick's brother. Uh, and Sally tells him, "Hey, you want to help Tony?" Stay the fuck away from him. Right. Because every time he came and talked to him, how, Sally kind of put together, okay, you killed your dad and you killed Jessupina. You did, th- you did both of those things. Uh, stay the fuck away from him. If you want to help him, you shouldn't be in his life. Right. And there's no doubt in my mind that he took this note to heart and had to have applied it to his son too. Yeah. I, I obviously... think so. And
1: I feel like that's a chance for him to kind of make right on it. it is like, Like, Chrissy could have been essentially the do-over, I guess, in a sense of, like, holy shit, I lashed out, I killed my dad. Uh, You know, like you said, Giuseppe, she dies. Like, he kills her. It's one of those things where it's, like, perhaps this is the first time it really occurs and feels real to him, and he has a chance in it. Part of that probably is because Chrissy's a newborn. It's, like, it's a clean slate, it's fresh. He can essentially you know, with his, with his dad, there's too much already there. It's hard to change it or, you know, reestablish a different direction for that relationship or, you know, forget the things that have gone on. Um, But with Chrissy, that's a, that's a clean slate, you know, he can mold his child and raise him and kind of get that do over and that redeem, you know, that redeeming sense of like, hey, I may have messed it up really bad and made some mistakes. I killed my dad. I, you know, killed Giuseppe, but it's like with Chrissy, he can have his chance to kind of get it right, and that, you know, you know, he doesn't get it, but, uh, you know, I feel like that's what we're letting Mom, believe, and definitely good. with Sally, I love, I love that, I love Sally's character, I feel like he is such a good gut check for all those characters, because He's in prison for something not really mob related per se. No, he is.
0: Oh, it is. I, I'm sorry. He, he murdered. He murdered. Well, oh, he murdered. He, he murdered a guy. Yeah. 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 He murdered a ma- man. That's right. That's so right. it is. It is mob I
1: thought I was I had in my head he had just murdered somebody, but then I remembered it was a maid guy. Um, I, I just think in, he is in prison and like he knows that if he goes out, his life isn't better like him going him eventually or ever being freed would arguably worse than being in prison. Yeah. You know, killing a made guy, that ain't anything you come out and that doesn't get forgotten. You know, it's a miracle. He's probably even alive in prison considering the way we see, like, you know, people get treated in prison. <laughs> and, yeah. But, um, I just think he's, he's got the perspective. He's got that honesty where it's like, yo, I'm not going to sugarcoat shit because look at where I am. Like, look at where I am. Look at what I've done to get here. I know how this shit works. I've come to terms and faced it all because I have nothing to do but sit in here and think about it. You, have ever, however, have all this shit you're out there doing, you don't see it. You know? Like, stop running from that honesty of, like, you aren't going to contribute anything positive to Tony's life. Like... At the end of the day, and and here's what I love, is that that message from Sally, whether Sally meant it that way or not, it doesn't have to just be like, oh, you can't bring anything good to his life. It's not even that. If you drop out, like, if you're trying to be positive, it's not going to matter because he knows you're still making money and getting rich and doing all this shit that's not okay, and he's still going to glorify that, that you can't change that. And that's where I think Sally's right, is it's like, you just need to be a, you can't be an effect on his life, period. Don't give yourself the chance, because he, it's too late. He glorifies it too much already, you know? And I think that's, like, what I love about that character is just that honesty, is, like, he's got that perspective. It it hits from him, especially considering, like, for Dickie, that's really all that's left. He killed his dad, so, like, this is as close to a dad as he can really get. And since you didn't really ever know him, it's like you want to, you know, that perspective probably hits a little bit.
0: It's also it's also great and interesting to me that I get the I, my interpretation, and I think this is I don't know that this is any anything deep. I really don't think Tony would have fallen into this life if Dicky doesn't die.
1: Man. See, and that's just where I don't know. Is it's like God? That's such a well, and, I mean, and hey time. and hey. No, here's where the thing is. Like I can't put it past it because that that would be very chase. That would be very. Chase-like. Johnny did,
0: Johnny did pretty. Johnny did pretty much the same thing Tony did to AJ. He he like sheltered not from loop he him, in. To shelter him He from did it, not, yeah. and he like he was like, oh, he's gonna be a linebacker. You know, like that's he's gonna be the shit. Like he, he was, he was just a dad about it. Like. And I mean, I mean, his dad was a piece of shit also, but uh, I think that like he was on that route to be an everyday, to be a civilian as he would have put it in in the Sopranos. Like, like he would have, he would have gone on to sell patio furniture or some shit. Mm -hmm. Like he, he would not, I don't like that, that pinky promise there at the end when Dickie's laying in his casket is the pinky promise that Yo. I got this shit. Okay. I got this for you. Yeah. I'm a go. And I feel like, and
1: yeah, I see what you're saying now. Cause like, that's not a message or something Dickie would have said or wanted from him. It wouldn't have been that, but that's Tony only having glorified and looked up to that life that Dickie was leading and looking up to that, that he's like, all right. He takes, like you said, he takes that into his own hands. He sees that as his responsibility.
0: And you know, it's probably also the moment where he, he's like i'm i I'm gonna look after Chrissy yeah. I'm gonna take over this family like i'm a i'm gonna do all this shit because I need to prevent what happened to you from happening to anybody else I love, and he just doesn't realize that he can't do that he can't avoid it
1: man I just I, and now you've got me thinking because it's i, I this is kind of unrelated, but I was just sitting here and I'm thinking about how. Gosh, it's so crazy. How does, you know, how does Tony find out about who did it? You know, because obviously he was never told the truth. And oh, if he
0: was, well, no. Junior would yeah. not.
1: Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's a very clear thing that like, it's. This This never yeah, comes out. Nobody right? knows about this. And like, it just goes to show, man, like how snaky Junior is. And that was evident in the show. I feel like that was a point that was kind of made. I mean, you look at how he tried to have Tony whacked, and, like, there was essentially no consequence for that. There was, like, rumble about, like, Tony would, you know, like, there was suspicion, I guess, per se, is how I remember it. But, like, Junior just goes unchecked, and it's fucked up because, like, the shit he does that goes unchecked shouldn't, but it's also fucked up because if he just acted and did and took some shit into his own hands instead of just trying to be a coward about it, and like, you know, like you said, he could have rose to power multiple different times, and and taken it and claimed it, and 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 you know sustained it. But instead, he just he just
0: wasn't that yeah, dude. Exactly. Like, was just never going to be. And so dead.
1: it's just like one of those things. Like, oh, gosh, you got me thinking. It's just that's what I love about it. Is like when it's a with this specific movie tied to this specific series, the movie is a standalone film. You know, it's it's what the sh- what it what you draw from the show and the movie together that I feel like, at least for me, makes the viewing oh, of this really the, the viewing of this movie so like ah just good and like makes me like for real. We've been talking for an hour and fifteen minutes, and like I don't even know how much ground of the movie we've really covered. I mean, we're not necessarily no, yeah, we've been talking the about the characters really going, as it relates yeah. to the series. But yeah, I mean, like it's. I just, I, I think, like, that's what Chase is. That's about, how you have is, to like, talk
0: about this movie. Well,
1: and I think that's why, like, I'm so glad I watched it when I did is because, like, I am not, like, this sounds stupid, but it's not. Like, I am obviously older now, and I'm, uh, I've am i grown smarter. I think a little deeper when I read or watch things or hear, like, listen yeah. to music simply, you know? So it's one of those things where it's like watching this, like I can actually see and like understand some deeper and bigger meanings and, and, and things of that nature. And this is just such a good show to watch when you've made that click, like that flip, you know, where it's like, oh, hey, like if I would have watched this in high school, this shit's going over my head. And like, I'm not going to sit here and act high and mighty like I understand all of it. Like there's probably still things oh, no, that I could go back and rewatch and draw it over from my again. head. But like, that's what's great is like that's a show that doesn't seem exactly rewatchable in nature but when you think about what you can have missed it's one that you should probably like eventually circle back to like i don't mean like this is that one this is the kind of show you rewatch you know 5 years after you watched it the first time not oh, not yeah. that you you give this a breath yeah because you want to try to you know i guess grow, grow. Uh, you, like, you want to that's what be able to draw different things when you watch it the next time.
0: For sure. And like, that's what's so, that was what was so cool about watching it at this age. Right. Is that watching it at this age, we will filter everything through AJ, Mido, Exactly Exactly. I, I was just telling one. this
1: to somebody the other day. is like when you talk, when you watch Sopranos, is it's like there are things that you know David Chase is trying to call to. Like he may be showing you this through a mob's, like mob family lens. However, this was like, the things that they're dealing with or struggling with, maybe from a mob point of view, but that was current, that was real for all families, and that was meant for them yeah, to yeah. relate to, just in a in a stylized yeah. sense of the mob. But like you talk yeah, about the was, 2008 was financial awesome crisis, that you know, you talk about the 2001 uh, the terrorist attacks, 9-11 and stuff. Like we see the impact that has in the show. That was reality for kids growing up. I was one years old, so not necessarily for me, but like yeah, same, you know. Same. You see growing up in that like early mid 2000s through AJ and Meadow and like, you're like, whoa, that, I was that like in a sense that kid during that time. Like, yeah, I nothing. remember like the effect like when Tony talks about something that's going on in the current events. I can remember, like, holy shit, like, I remember when I was a kid, when my, my parents would sit at dinner and talk or watch the news, like, I remember seeing stuff about this, like.
0: And that was something that the show was always so good about, was yeah. being so culturally relevant right. and talking and being. No, like, they, they make that show make feel it. so based
1: in reality. It was so current. Yeah, and it's, it was it really so is. current. It was current.
0: It really is at any – in any given point of that series, it is a reflection. It is like a mirror of America at the time. Right, like that's and what they talk about
1: – they talk about President Bush and terrorism, and it's like, dude, I grew up when all of that was just beginning and starting and, like, when that was so prominent and prevalent, you know? Like, right. I remember that stuff, you know? you, I was a kid, but, like – the words war on terror in George Bush's accent, like that is so like locked tight up in here. Like I can literally hear it in my head because I grew up just, you know, around all of that. And it's like, that's like Chase wasn't trying to hide from that. He wanted like families to be able to, in a sense, relate to this, even though they're a mob family. It's like, hey, yeah, we are recognizing it. Like we see, you know, like family life in that time. Like that, that was what it was meant to be. You know, right. and I think that's right. like where, like I said, growing up and like watching it and especially like you said, seeing it from AJ and Meadows lens, like that is a very like it's it's what makes the show great because people who are watching it at that time when it was coming out. They were, you know, at Tony's age, they're at Tony's age, they're at, you know, all those characters. age, They're watching it from. Or even like, Chrissy's. Yeah, yeah. Chrissy's, you know, Adriana, um, all those characters. And it's just cool because like. That's what makes that show great is like our generation can watch it from a lens and it's such a different perspective. It's such a different lens than what, you know, the people who are watching it when it came out. My uncle and I, my uncle loves the show and I've talked to him Yeah, my dad does too. Um, If I talked to him really in depth about stuff and like talked about specific things from the show – I guarantee you, we are not going to have some, like the same conclusions or perspectives or like, you know, thinkings on it because like we watched yeah, it totally relating that. and feeling to the different, like it's completely different characters. You know what I mean?
0: And I just, I think that's, what's great. And we have strayed away from the movie. But... Oh no, I don't give a fuck. I mean, like there, I, here's my thing is that there wasn't like a ton to say it, like, yeah. Just well, you movie. have to like, you yeah. have to bring in the show and that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. If, if we're gonna create- if we're gonna make making a podcast episode like we did the review right. we did the twenty minute review up front this is all the this is all the gory yeah, details yeah yeah uh uh, but I really don't have much else to say in fact, i gotta get going pretty soon uh so i i, I was wondering any last thoughts here yeah, on the uh, man i just I really wanna talk about the ending just for a
1: second and just think That's about good. it It's just. Seeing, like you said, I mean, we, the trailer even, like from the first trailer watch, it became so, not only, right. Well, like when we, when we think about the movie, like when we heard the movies coming out and you hear about what it's going to be, Dickie Moltisanti, and we know that's Chrissy's dad. I mean, we're sitting there knowing, Hey, what's the big story from the show with Dickie's dad or with Chrissy's dad, uh, who shot him and Chrissy going to kill the cop that supposedly shot him. Um, So obviously, when we see Harold McBrayer and he's like, "Eh, I don't know. But then in the trailer, he's definitely painted like from the trailer on from trailer until the last five, 10 minutes of the movie. We are led like exactly like you said to think it is Harold McBrayer that kills Dickie. And so every time we see Harold on screen or, you know, Harold and Dickie like about to be doing something that could possibly coincide. There's an anxiety on the screen. And so yeah. when it's Junior, there is none of that. There is a, a certain sense of safety, I, I want to say, which sounds dumb because Junior's a scumbag, but you know what I mean. Like, you don't oh, yeah, have absolutely. that on your radar. And so when that happens, it's like the shock I felt and like just the awe I felt of like, holy shit. And like, understanding the implications of not only just Dickie's death, but also now framing everything that happens in the rest of the show. Junior doesn't like Chrissy. Junior does no. not like Chrissy. And it's like, holy shit, it
0: makes so much more sense. Like this awe moment. Well, there's like, also a point wow. in season one. There's also a point in season one where Livia literally talks Junior out of whacking Chrissy and again
1: you talk about Livia and Dicky like there's probably a little bit of that in there and it's like they're absolutely and is. see and and one of the big things i've seen about this movie is i've seen people say well it just didn't feel like we got enough like we didn't get enough and that there's got to be Dude, enough people people are enough. saying like oh well th- this this clearly just says that they're going to make another one that gives us more and more detail going further in and like and still i'm like i don't feel like that at all i don't see how you watch this either. movie and have that takeaway I feel like you were given plenty of substance, plenty of things. It's just that you have to piece it and see it with the show. You have to weave those together. And like, I don't get how if you've been a person that watched the show and claims to love the show, you know how David Chase is about this shit. So I don't understand how you could ex- expect to watch the movie and see everything just laid out silver platter and we're going to keep getting stuff more and more. I think what people – like those are people wanting this, th- these movies to fill all of the time right up until the first episode. That's not absolutely. That's not going to happen. I don't think we get another one, period. I mean if we did, great. But I mean – from what I understood, and I've read, I think Chase struggled to find substance and like what he was going to do with this movie at first. Until he kind of got the picture. Okay, I kind of want to focus on the riots. How do I tie this in? Okay, we can seam this together. Yeah. But like, I don't, you know, you're asking a guy to grab at straws here and make something
0: out of nothing, in a sense. Kind of. I think, I think if anything, uh, this this whole thing kind of turned David Chase off to making another movie uh for HBO if we got anything like if we got absolutely anything spin-off wise like the best i can come up with and like i don't even really want it right. to be demeo crime family related like with the sopranos and stuff i'd like you want to give us a series about Harold McBrayer's new thing. yeah no give, give us that you want like we can we can stay in the same universe we can use the same like the same filmmaking style and stuff we can well, and, write it the way it's just a new story you right? know give like But it
1: still feels like that Sopranos universe in a sense and but but like here's the thing is like I just I I don't want like I said I just don't get how you watch this movie and that's the takeaway
0: or conclusion you want to come to Oh yeah absolutely I'm not. like I, I I watched it and was like well that's that's cool that's it I, I don't no, get how yeah. you
1: don't see or feel that sense of finality and like I mean, I think you hit it really good on the head is like Dickie's death can be a really distinct marker for a lot of shit that happens and what what we see in the show. And so, like, that's just why I think uh, I don't know. I I I liked it. I I think definitely like the show is vitally important. That wasn't going to that's not a shock or that's not a stretch at all by any means. But I feel like talking about it with a friend that's seen it and talking about it and framing it and weaving it with the show makes it seem much more, you know, whole, I guess, or um, just better. It, ma- it makes me feel better about the movie itself. It makes me... Well, and that's
0: the thing, is that, like, it, it is a Sopranos prequel. It, like, you, it is purposeful that you you have to be thinking about the show as you watch the movie. That's just how it works. You have to. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what happened? I just... Charlie
1: horsed in my hamstring really bad and I was trying to hold it together but I had to I had to mute I I saw you muted
0: for a second
1: (laughs) I'm sorry I was gonna like try to let you keep going and holding it but
0: oh no 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 worries no worries (laughs) Uh, I, I, again, I don't have much else to yeah, say no, I know I'm good. I just you. wanted
1: to touch on that ending real quick because you had made a really good point earlier and I felt like we didn't really totally talk about it. So I wanted to get it.
0: No, I'm, uh, for sure. Yeah. I think that, like I said, that, that finality of Dickie Multisanti's story is like the opening for the story we get. Like, right. No, 20, 25 it, yeah, years later, that's, again, the like, no reason what we're getting.
1: Yeah. And I think like what I said, we're like, I saw a guy I know on Twitter talk about how like he, he wants another movie that will help fill this gap even more. And I'm like, like what you just said, I think Dickie's death kind of does fill the gap in a sense. Like, unless yeah. you're unless you're wanting Jackie April type story stuff. I don't know what Yeah, you, like uh, unless we're going to yeah, talk about yeah. Johnny
0: Soprano's death and stuff.
1: I don't know what else you really get or take from this. You know, I don't know what else there's left really to see. Like, I feel like with what the show gave us and what the movie gave us, that is the that's the gap. You know, you see a lot of Tony's hey, yeah, formative like, memories. You see a lot of the things Tony mentions and a lot of the formative memories. You get references to him or you literally see them. And we see how all of this stuff has effects on Tony in the in the show. Eventually, Chrissy, you know, you can make this have effects on a lot of different people. It's really not. You just got to read into it. Yeah, you got to weave the show with the movie.
0: Exactly. Well, with that, I think I'm I'm gonna leave it. Overall, I loved the movie. Uh, I I I think it's I think it's a really good one. And if if you've seen Sopranos, you have to have seen Sopranos. But watch the movie. It's definitely very, 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 very good. Don't watch it before yeah, the Yeah, no, series. and,
1: like, I would say, I mean, just have a, like, if you're watching, if you've watched this whole pod or listened to this whole pod before you see the movie, I mean, I would just say, like, that's what you should push to do is make your own conclusions and weave in the show how you see it. Cause like that's the thing, the way Chase made that show is not everybody took the same things. Like look at the ending of Sopranos, nobody fucking agrees on it. So it's like one of those things where you know you you can weave in how you see fit. You know if you yeah. took this away from the show, then don't overthink it. You know it 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 yeah, exactly. it can fit with this movie. So I just think that's the big thing is like just drawing those conclusions. It can make this movie have much more impact.
0: I'm with you 100%. And, uh, yeah, I loved it. Uh, Well, this was the 138th episode of the Penny Bloom podcast. Twas I, Colton Robertson, and I was joined by KBZ, Kyler Barnett. Thank you very much, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was great to be back. Absolutely, buddy. Uh, It was great to have you. Uh, If you would, head to patreon.com slash bloom where you'll find over 18 hours of exclusive content. We got over 25 pieces of uh exclusive introductions over there uh it's 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 a lot of fun go to twitter follow at penny bloom pod follow on instagram at penny bloom podcast and uh remember peace love and bloom and i'm always being accused